This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, Charmaine. I'm a new listener here, and I just heard your uh, call to action for some feedback. Um, on how we found the show. And uh, uh, we haven't really interacted before. So just to quickly introduce myself, I am Carol Billy's Choi. I am mixed race. I am half Honduran and half Hong Kong Chinese, uh, currently living in Hong Kong, but I was born and partially raised in the US. And I just wanted to uh, leave you a quick message, kind of give you uh, my feedback. And I've actually been quite actively searching for anything, any information on mixed race experiences. Uh, I've been actively searching for, I think I started my real in-depth search probably about two years ago. And so I've read a couple books. Before you, I found a couple other podcasts. But uh, to be honest, uh, until I found your podcast just most recently, um, I didn't really find something that really I mean, your podcast, you're doing an amazing job with the narratives that you are sharing. I mean, this is exactly what I'm looking for, a community of some sort where kind of like-minded people or at least people who have had similar experiences to me, um, where I can listen to the stories of people who have had similar experiences, who kind of would understand what I've been through, what I'm going through, uh, what I struggle with, the things that I love, that kind of thing, just trying to find kind of helping me to explore my own identity and, you know, just kind of to understand my place. So keep up what you're doing. It really makes a difference. And yeah, thank you. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 100 and it is also the second anniversary episode of the Militantly Mixed podcast. Official anniversary is July 5th, and that was that would be two years from the date that the original episodes dropped. But really, this is sort of like the fourth anniversary of this show, despite the fact that there weren't episodes leading up to it. When I got the idea to do podcasts, in particular podcasts about mixed raceness, I sat on that shit for two years. I talked to friends about it. I, I wanted to do it. But I just didn't believe that me of all people, who was I 
to create a podcast and expect anybody would listen to it. Uh, So it took me a while to get there. But when I finally got there, my life changed. My whole damn life changed. Uh, (laughs) I just, part of me can't believe it's been two years of doing this show. And part of me can't believe it's not been 20 years of doing this show. It's such a huge part of my life now. It's such a daily, minutely part of my life now. I don't know how to separate who I am from this show. Honestly, I don't. Uh, What you heard at the start of the episode was Carol Belise Choi. She is a relatively new listener to Militantly Mix, as she said. And a few weeks back when I had asked how y'all were feeling about the solo episodes that I had been doing in the month of June, when I sort of took a break from our mixed race narratives to exercise my feelings, I guess is probably a good way of describing it, um, about what was going on in the world in the immediate part of the current civil unrest. Obviously, nothing, it hasn't gone away. It's just reduced in the news cycle. And since they've also essentially reopened the economy, making people go back outside again, thinking that COVID is over, it's become the lesser part of the news. And, uh, but when it was the heaviest part of the news, it was all I could think of. It was all encompassing. And it was actually a big part of why Militantly Mix exists. You know, the show's not accidentally called Militantly Mixed. It's called Militantly Mixed because I believe in racial activism. I believe in uh, fighting for civil justice. I also believe that our existence and living out loud is radical, is militant. So if I'm being my full realized self on this show, I am both a person that wants to share mixed race narratives and the mixed race experience for our community, telling stories that are for us, by us, about us, for our own empowerment, for our own enriching of our lives and knowing that we're not out there in isolation all by ourselves because there's a lot of people in the world a lot like us, which I think is a form of militancy. I've, I've talked about that before. And it's a service to community, which is the biggest part of racial militancy. So the show's not accidentally militantly mixed, it's militantly mixed intentionally. But in terms of who I am, Charmaine, Mixed Girl Maine, I am myself a person who is always trying to figure out a way to, to exercise my activism in everyday life, to live radically, to live militantly. And... um In sort of pausing the mixed race narratives for the month of June, uh, I didn't know how long that was going to happen. I just knew that there was a patch of time I wasn't really functioning outside of seeing what was going on in the world. And so I did this call for responses to see if I was losing people on it, to see if I was um, connecting with folks, hitting a nerve at all, and to see how I could sort of maintain this hybrid function of the show of being both a show that supports activism and racial militancy while also sharing our narratives and having a place to get our lives, our mixed ass lives when we need it. Carol being one of the people who responded, she was one of the ones that responded with a voicemail. I I got a few emails and messages, but hearing Carol's message 
I wanted to share it with y'all because it is exactly what Militantly Mixed was designed for. When I first started, you know, I've talked about this before, there were hardly any mixed race podcasts available at the time. And the ones that were available were what we refer to as dead podcasts. They, they weren't producing new episodes. And that was frustrating because, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to invest in, in time to, to listen to these things, I want to grow with these people. I want to hear these stories. And for whatever reasons in their lives, and they, you know, weren't able to continue to produce the show, um, that was sort of the thing that made this go from an idea I had been sitting on for two years to a, okay, I guess it's time to press record. I struggled for two years to press record because one, I, I worked as a, a senior level manager at a, at a startup and I had very little personal time, but also, also I had imposter syndrome going on telling me, who are you of one in 7 billion people on this planet to press record and tell these stories. And I didn't know how I was going to tell the stories. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted to do it. And thank goodness people participated in the beginning because without those participants like Jules and John Corbin, I wouldn't have gotten there. I wouldn't have figured out what this show was supposed to be as quickly as I did once I, once I knew what I wanted to do, once I knew that I wanted to press record. How about that? If you look back in our social media or any of the posts that, that I did uh, two years ago before starting the show, it looked like it was going to be kind of a news program about mixedness. It was like, let's talk about um, what it's like presenting one way, but being in a community that is different than you present. Or, you know, let's talk about transracial adoptions. Let's talk about cultural appropriation. Like I, I was going to be doing this sort of topical thing and that's just not really my jam. That's not really how I am, but that's what I thought needed to happen based on the other podcast that I saw that was out there in existence. And thank goodness people just agreed to sit down and talk with me on, on video chat at first, because it was in the process of doing those chats that I realized that that was what the show needed to be. And hearing Carol's message about listening to other people's mixed race experiences and seeing how they mirror in her own life. That's exactly what the show is about. So I wanted to share that message. And thank you, Carol, for uh, for sending in that clip to let us know how the show impacts you and reminding me that I am staying on mission <laughs> in, in continuing to do this thing. This last two years, this journey that I've been on to investigate my own mixed identity through conversations with other mixed folks about their experiences and their identity. It just has absolutely changed my whole damn life. And I, like I said at the beginning, I don't know how to separate who I am today from this show. We are now in a symbiotic relationship and one dies without the other. So we got to keep this thing moving because I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. And here we are, the second anniversary episode. It's so wild. I have been really struggling 
with crafting this episode for the last few days. I have been recording and deleting and recording and deleting over and over again because nothing I did felt like it was really uh, uh, celebrating the this anniversary, this milestone at the level at which I, I want it to be celebrated or that I feel that it deserves. And um, I just kind of hated everything that I did. And so today, at the time I'm recording this right now, this is Sunday, July 5th. It is um, late. It's almost it's almost Monday, July 6th. And I I was I was since it is Sunday, which is great, too, because it's the actual anniversary, this actual second anniversary of the release of the first two episodes of the show. We were doing our social distancing hangout, which we do every Sunday morning uh, or at least Sunday morning Pacific time. And when we first got started, I was explaining to everybody that I was really struggling with crafting this episode and I didn't know what I wanted to do because nothing felt like it was honoring the show um, appropriately. And the group got together and said, you know, gave me a few suggestions. And one of those suggestions was that maybe I have somebody interview me to have an outside opinion kind of focus my thoughts a little bit and I was I was like that sounds like a fun idea but like who should I get to interview me and in the course of our discussion uh, they became my interviewers so what I'm going to share with you today is audio from our social distancing hangout chats which are normally private because it's just it's just for whoever participates but everybody who participated today agreed to allow me to to share the audio because uh, some of them had questions for me that they were curious about um, in terms of my experience of the show. And some folks just wanted to share what the show does for them and what their relationship to the show is and, and things. So it, it ended up being this amazing celebration of the show. Like it was exactly what I felt was missing from me attempting to put together this episode. So first of all, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who participated in the Hangout today and thank you all for not just coming every week, but for the new folks that join every week to to test it out, for the regulars that show up every week, for the, we've become an extended family. You know, this idea that I talk about welcoming new cousins to the Militantly Mixed family really didn't start really, really making sense or... Uh, it really started to click, I guess, when the social distancing hangouts started to go and every week the same people were showing up. So thank you to all my cousins that showed up today. Uh, Lorelai, Jay, Jeff, Malia, Ivy, Heather, Penelope, Tiffany, Danielle, Macy, our new folks, Brittany and Mariana. And for the, the folks that are normally there that couldn't come today, Britt and Alejandra. Who else are we missing? I I just I'm just so appreciative of the participation and, and the life y'all are giving me every week in participating in those hangouts. And for you that agreed to allow me to share this clip today because it, it actually was a celebration for Militilly Mix. But 
I'm I'm happy. I'm really happy that today is the second anniversary. Also, because I don't finish projects for myself. I finish. I'm really good at helping somebody else finish. So I'm like legit a producer. Like if you have a vision and you got a thing, I will get your shit done. And when you're doubting yourself, I'll be like, fuck you. We're going to get this done. We're going to do it. I don't do that for myself. This is the first time I've stuck with something. And, you know, obviously it's not, it's not to completion, but um, to have someone interview me, who would interview me though? All of everybody? Well, I was just thinking like, you know, you said that there's like people, it would be nice maybe to have, especially some of the people from your first few episodes, like John, I know that you all stay in touch because I was there on the Insta and stuff like that. You know what I mean? If, if you just recorded a couple of conversations where we're asking you stuff, because you're, you're always decentering yourself in these conversations, right? You know what I mean? And I, I think, cause I say, I think I said this last week, especially for your two years, I really want to know, like, cause I've listened to a lot of the episodes in order <laughs> and I'm still not even caught up to the present, but I, I've listened to a lot of them in order and I can hear your personal growth, but I want to hear from you, like how that looks in your everyday life. Like, how does that look for you now when you talk to people? Um, yeah, we can do that. Um. So for me, like, I, I'm really curious about what, like, I want to hear later, like, as you get further on, because I wonder, I know that I can hear my own growth, like, every now and then I'll go and listen to an old episode, and I'll be like, oof, like, <laughs> I was, <laughs> like, I didn't know shit back then. Um, I mean, you know, like, I've talked about it before, where I say when I decided to finally do the show, I was like, I know what the fuck is happening, I'm mixed, I, like, I know, I got this thing a lot. And then I started talking to people. I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. Like, I'm an expert on my own situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the early things, the first things I identified as a, as a point of growth, so not necessarily the whole thing, but the first thing I identified was me realizing that I discounted the white presenting or white appearing experience. I think I, because I didn't know any, I knew one, I only knew one girl who was half black and half white that I um, went to, I was in freshman in high school with. And she goes, yeah, no one ever knows I'm black. So my, like, she basically had a dark skinned friend who would step up for her every time and go, she's black. It's okay to talk to Like it was, she, it was her friend's job to introduce her to people. And I used to think that that was a strange little thing. Then I started hearing about white presenting people and I was just like, but they, but they don't have to worry about the stuff we have to worry about. So I, I, I didn't think I was maliciously dismissive. I just think that I just discounted the experience, not realizing it was. Um, I always thought that the ambiguity experience was tougher only because I think that was my experience. Like I would trade a little bit of this ambiguity just so that I could like walk into a space and not be asked where I'm from or what I am or whatever. And then I spoke to. Gretchen, she was the first episode that that was about white presenting. And the thing is, she's somebody that I, I went to high school with, but I didn't know her. Like, I knew who she was, but I didn't know her. We, but we share a lot of friends. And so she reached out to me through that circle. And she told me she was listening to the show. And she was, um, she kind of wanted to ask me some questions if I didn't mind. And when we got to talking, that's when I found out she's Peruvian. Didn't know she's Peruvian. She's redhead, white skin. Like, I hadn't, we got more to talking and she... And in the course of that conversation, I, I started to feel really bad for her 
like I was like, oh, I had no idea. Like you deal with very similar issues that I deal with. It's just that you have to deal with it in the inside and you can't talk about it publicly like I can and people would understand. And so we decided to record an episode and I could hear it. And like, even though we had been having a couple of conversations up until that point, I could hear her saying like, is it okay? Like, can I, can I say that I'm mixed? And I just got so frustrated. And I was like, yes, like, that's who you are. That, like, you've got it at home. You cooked, you did all this stuff. And that's when I realized like, oh, I have work to do. Mm-hmm. And from that point, I think in talking to more people that had different experiences for myself and just opening my eyes to the fact that like any of us could have issues about our presentation, about who we identify with more about if it's okay for us to identify with the one we don't look the most like, you know, that was the part that really opened up my eyes to that. And I found that during the course of other conversations with other people, regardless of what their presentation was, that I, um, I was getting it. Like I was, I was feeling the switch, the switch had flipped at that point. And then that's when I started hearing things where like people would say, well, I listened to your show and you don't seem very militant. You seem really empathetic. (laughs) And I started getting mad about like the idea that militancy can't be empathetic because legitimately militancy is born out of service to your community. What could be, you know, more empathetic than that? So in terms of my growth now, um, my, my personal issues that I've dealt with is coming to terms with my, my whiteness. Like I always felt like I was, I've gone back and forth between anger about being mixed with white and not having access to it, so thinking it didn't matter, mm-hmm. to feeling like if I'm telling my audience to be your mixed ass self and like love all the things you are, but I hate this part of me, you know, then I'm a hypocrite and I don't want to be a hypocrite on the show, you know. And then I took uh, Sarah Lotus's uh, program, her mixed race confidence program, and in the course of it, like fell apart emotionally because I was tackling this anger towards my half whiteness. Um, and she every time I'd be like because of the show I'm supposed to be okay with being halfway and she goes why and then I was like but then I don't want to tell people that they should be their mixed ass selves and I hate this part and she's like who cares and I'm like should I feel bad for white people she's like no why and, and she just kept hitting me with like a why do you need to center whiteness so much in your own situation and mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was doing it so again another part of the growth that I've had over the last two years was First, realizing we all have a very similar issue despite what our presentation is and despite what our access to our ethnicities are. And then my own dealing with, it's okay if I don't have my shit together. I can still host this show and be talking to other people about all their issues because I know we're, we're, going, through the, we're going through it all together. So I think those are the, the two big things that I feel like I've come to over the course of the last two years. And so how does it feel to be I'm going to go out on a limb. I haven't done the research, but I have a feeling you are probably the one person in the world. And you've said this yourself, who has spoken to the most mixed people. Hopes. I think I am. I could about being and not just like in a passive way, like about the mixed experience. Like, what is that like? There's got to be some sort of record that you have made. There's just got to be. Well, so I track everything. Like I have my spreadsheet of all the people that I've spoken to, but at least keep my my audio records of everything. I have my I have my uh, my big old storage uh, external hard drive here and like to 
so when I was a kid, we collect garbage pail kid cards, you know, and we wanted to like collect them all kind of a thing because you wanted to get, even though they were grotesque, you just wanted to get all the new ones. And then like the younger generation now were into Pokemon. I just felt like that, like that started to happen. Like, like I would find someone who was like, oh, I'm Iranian and Filipino. And I was like, I don't have one of those yet, you know, or like, you know, <laughs> I would get excited with mixes that I wasn't used to uh, because like in the beginning, it was easy to find black, white, biracial folks. It was easy to find Asian white biracial folks. I think it took a few weeks until I found like a non-white biracial person. You know, like I think it took it took a, a, a number of episodes until I got there. So yeah, I got to catch them all. Like it got to be this, like it's, it's awesome because I will get insight on things that I'm not mixed with. So I want to learn and I want to do all that kind of stuff. But it, but it, it, what was cool about it is that how long was it until I realized, I, I forget how, how far into it I was where I was like, oh man, I wonder if I'm the only, like, I, I don't know when I realized that I was probably speaking to more mixed people because I was looking at research papers and the first mixed book I read, do I have it up here, is Naomi Zack. I don't think I have it on my thing. Um, the first thing I read was, uh, shoot, what was the name of the book? Uh, Naomi Zack was at least the first mixed race author that I had ever read. A philosophy on race um and she was someone who discovered she was mixed with black later in life she was raised jewish uh new york um and uh and she was in discovering that she was mixed with black she discovered all of this uh bias stuff that she was dealing with that she didn't understand and in the course of that i don't love how the book opens i will i will say that the book opens a little difficult for me because it is kind of dismissive of a few things that okay i'll say that the the biases she has because of not having access to blackness is very evident in her intro in the beginning of the book and it was written in the early 90s or something like that or late 80s so there's things like that going on um but that was when i started to realize like okay on the academic level, not that many people have done this work yet. So however many people they might be interviewing, you know, they might have gotten 20 or so people and they did their book and, and that's great or whatever. I'm sure the work is a little bit different now. There's a lot more academic resources now than there were when in the 90s or when I was even trying to find, trying to know how to find resources or whatever. But I got to the point where like it became a weird little thing of like, oh, I got another one today. I got one I didn't have before. I think I was really excited when I found my first mixed Black and Asian person because I didn't have that in my own life. And um, I started to find more people that were, might have more close of a experience of I, that I did. So, so that, like, it just feels, I don't know, it feels goofy. It feels weird and collectible-ish. I'm a collector. If that, it's like collecting us, collecting our stories and, and stuff like that. Yeah, Garden of Mixed People. I like that. For me, honestly, the biggest thing is that I enjoy about this process is undoing what I thought before. Like that I do try to make an effort, like you said, decentering myself in the in the interview. Like I even decenter myself in, in terms of I say we instead of I, you know, in terms of creating the show. But I want I wanted to hear the stories I didn't have growing up. So I need to be outside of those stories. Like I need to just listen as much as I can, just try to listen. Um, but every now and then something they say makes me think of something I've experienced and I being able to to have those kind of conversations is has been really helpful. But if I if I can do this for, you know, the rest of my life, like if I end my days and I'm like 
the Jane Goodall of mixed people, I would think, you know, like, I just want to know as I just want to know mixed people really well. <laughs> I think that would be, um, that would be meaningful to me. Um, oh, sis, record. Oh, I hope you got that answer recorded. That was good. Everything, yeah, I'm recording everything. <laughs> that was good. I also had to come to it. Like I had to talk to get there. Like I'm not always sure exactly how, um, how this feels like I feel like I retell the same story so many times because I talk to new people often and if they're not listening to the show they may not know my background it's really weird when somebody listened like now because this didn't happen in the first year but now I'm interviewing people who listen to the show and so sometimes someone will say so you know how when you said blah 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 and I'm just like you know like oh so It's weird when someone knows something about me, even though I've told the same stories over and over again. Let's see, what do we have? Breaking narratives, being mixed, not all mixed people are ambiguous. Yeah, that that was a big learn. Not all mixed people are ambiguous. Like, the extent at which I understood that is I knew that some light-skinned Black folks were either all Black or they were biracial. And I knew I looked like this. Like, honestly, that was the extent of my thing. I didn't think about the white presenting folks. I didn't think, I know that most mixed white Asians tend to be coded as Asian, but then I've now learned that people are being coded as white, like Malia's talked about. And I look at Malia and I'm like, how are they coding you as white though? You know, and that happened a lot in the first year too. I had a a number of um, half white, half Filipino folks that were like, I got warned. I would get emails. This is how, this is how it used to happen. I would get emails that'd be like, I hope it's okay for me to put myself forward on the show. I'm white and Filipino. I look white, but like, I definitely feel mixed. And I grew up around my Filipino family, but other people don't see it. And then I'd get on the video camera. It happened in particular with Caitlin, the mixed blob episode. That was the first time that that I remember this happening. And so she gets on the screen and I see her video and I'm just like, oh no, I'm so unprofessional. I got the wrong name. And I'm like looking at my notes and stuff. I thought I had the wrong person because I was looking at a mixed Asian woman who, who told me in email she looks white. And I go, I'm sorry, I think I have the wrong notes in front of me. I know this is really unprofessional, but I, um, I was expecting to be talking to, to Caitlin, who's, who's white presenting. And she's like, yeah, yeah, me. And I was like, but your face. And like, but your face is like another accidental slogan I have now. Because every time somebody preps me with what they they get coded as Mm. it's different than what I see them as like it's so because I have the mixed lens I'm looking for mixed faces and it's a (laughs) it's really funny when somebody has when I have that moment with somebody and they're just like uh, that's the actually that's the weird thing is um becoming an official validator even though I legitimately don't have that like that's not I'm not the one who's going to tell people who, who their identity is, but I, I inadvertently have to be like the validator for people at first. If I'm their access point into discovering their mixedness and investigating it, then I become. I think you're so right, though, about um, it's like you're giving that permission piece, that permission yeah. to be fully seen. and. Yeah. People are coming to you for those permission slips. And I know I get that all all the time in my work too. Right. And it's powerful, but it's also like, whoa. It seems like a real heavy, like not a 
I don't want to say burden in that ne- negative way. We talked about this, right? Yes, like burden in a negative way. Um, yeah. Where it's just like, I'm happy to help people. I want to help. Like, obviously, I wouldn't have started the show if I didn't want to help my community. But for me to be the person, like, who the fuck am I? Like, I'm just one in seven billion. Like, I always focus on that idea of me being one in seven billion. The difference between me and the person who needs that validation is that I pressed record. That's the difference. We're all mixed people, right? So maybe pressing record on a podcast wasn't your move. Like, you know, but for me to be the one who says, yeah, it's okay for you to be mixed. It's okay for you to identify however you identify. Like, wow, what if they're out in the world and they're like, well, Charmaine said (laughs) <laughs> Who the fuck is Charmaine? Charmaine ain't nobody. <laughs> so it's weird. It's it's um I understand the responsibility though, and I take it very serious. I also make sure that I remind people that like I'm not the one. Like I'm happy to help you through, but I'm not the one that's gonna grant you permission. You have to grant that permission to yourself. Um and if you need me to get there, fine. Just don't just don't be snitching on the street saying Charmaine told me it was okay. Uh no. <laughs> I mean, that's why I think you you sounded very Japanese when you said, I feel like I'm celebrating myself. Um, but I don't think that's how you would come across at all because you, do n- you never claim to be the all-knowing one. And everyone that comes on this Zoom chat talks about how valuable the, the whole experience and all the experiences you give us has been. So I feel like it'd be great to have to have people share how meaningful this has been. And I don't think that looks like you celebrating yourself at all. And, and that's what that's what this show is all about, right? Yeah, I, well, again, <laughs> the Japanese thing, like self-aggrandizing, self, like, like yeah, that no. is such a sticky, like don't I'm Don't think about it that way. Think about it <laughs> celebrating the show and take yourself out of it, even though the show is you, but don't just pretend it's not, you know? Cause I think, when everyone talks about it, um, it, it's very meaningful. And I think you, that should be in your celebrate, in your anniversary. Yeah, I think that's what was missing. And honestly, like, this might end up being the show. If you all don't mind me using the recording, maybe this is what ends up happening. Um, I just, like, I, okay, one thing that I do say, and I am comfortable saying at this point, although it took me some time to get there, is, when I get those emails, and I get them all the time, like I'm still getting them every week or whatever. Uh, when I get those emails or those DMs where someone says, I've discovered your show, and we all have the same story, right? It's two o'clock in the morning, and we're feeling mixed as hell, but we just don't understand what our deal is. And we start Googling for the podcasts or for the, the, the blogs or whatever, just looking for other mixed people. And then you stumble on a thing. Um, I did it everybody who's emailed me has said they've done some version of that. And then you find the show, you hear somebody else's story and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's someone just like me in the world. Like that moment. Um, and I think you can catch it on the show too. There's moments when I've spoken to someone who has said something and I'm just like, Oh my God, you know, because I like, it's that moment of validation that we get, I guess we do need other people to validate those, those things for us. I, I'm so appreciative that people take that time because I know how tough it is. Like when you're trying to be, 
I always describe it as coming out of the closet. Like legit, my whole life has been coming out of the closet. I have to come out as mixed. I have to come out as bi. I have to come out as poly. I have to come out as an atheist. No matter what my deal is, I have to tell somebody because you don't look like anybody that someone would classify any particular, you know, like no one's looking at me like, oh, you must be a mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd. You know, like that's never going to happen in my life. So I have to come out all the time. And when I hear people when I see the emails of, or the, and I hear people say, like, I found your show and this one episode, I love it. I love when they tag an episode. It makes me so happy when it's like this one episode. I heard this story and I, could, I thought I was telling you the story. Like, I thought it was me telling you the story. Oh, my God. That feels so. That's the best part. The best feeling of doing the show is knowing that because the platform was created, somebody got to got here to tell their story and somebody is sitting some random ass place feeling lonely as hell and they listen to it and now they're not lonely now they know there's at least one other person they're not related to in the world that had their experience like that shit that's what gets me so emotional that's what keeps me going I never feel like I want to quit but there's times when I feel like I can't do enough, like there's not enough of me to do this work and I want to be able to make enough money so that I can hire people so that we can all be mixed race people like doing this thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what my next step is in in terms of that. But like when I hear somebody say it was late and I heard this episode and I got my life or I saw myself or whatever, it's just like, well, that's exactly what this mission was. And when I started, I for sure thought it was just going to be me and my friends and family, like humoring me, like listening to the show. I didn't know eventually. So like last week, we just crossed over to 25,000 downloads of all time, which in the grand scheme of podcasts is small, but in the, in the scheme of mixed race podcasts is huge. And to think that 25,000 times somebody heard a story that reflected them in, oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm just, that's, yeah. <laughs> I feel feelings. I feel feelings. All right, Can I say something say. real quick? Yeah, jump in. Okay. Um, for the show, it's helped me so much uh, listening to other mixed people's experiences because it's given me permission to allow myself to feel. Um, mm. Like, before... I've had some bad experiences with other mixed people. Um, Some have been like, oh, well, you're not mixed because you don't look ambiguous or you don't look the way that you're supposed to look. And then you start thinking, like, what does that even mean? Like, what what are these things that doesn't make any sense? (laughs) I mean, Um, Frederick Douglass doesn't look ambiguous and he's biracial. So, yeah, what are we supposed to look like? Yeah, we're supposed to look like how we look. That's what I came to, you know, like, um, and after, um, you know, like a few years back, I met some mixed people and I was like, they're cool. They're cool. Like, uh, uh, there wasn't even like, I didn't hate other mixed people. I was just scared of the experiences I had before. And I started shutting myself off. Mm. And I think it's really important for us as mixed people to, to find other mixed people where we're on the same wavelength. Um, I feel like listening to the podcast and then coming here really helps me. I just feel like some sort of kinship with everybody. Uh, right. Thanks. Um, I was just going to say that 
this show for me, um, I think, I, I hope this sounds okay or comes across right, but being mixed race and not ever having met anybody before that was mixed race, um, that was raised in the type of society that I was, I really actually just see being mixed race. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about myself and I don't want that to sound selfish or anything like that, but like trying to figure out what was going on, how people were seeing me, where the disconnect was. So when I found the show, I was able to start, you know, figuring that stuff out and talking to other people about it, which then I felt allowed me to step outside of myself as I took in other mixed race stories and feel them and learn about them and try to educate and talk to as many people who wanted to listen to me about the entire mixed race experience, that it's not just one mixed race experience, but there's this whole world. And to me, that's, that was one of the best gifts of the show. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you to Penelope, Tiffany, both for that. I, like, I, I know what the show does for me. I don't often know what the show does for folks, except for the people who say they saw themselves and, and sent it a message. Like, I remember when Tiffany and I first spoke, we were talking about, and this was in our like pre-chat thing before, before we actually did our, our interview where it was just a few minutes in and Tiffany stopped and said, like, I don't think I've had, like, I don't think I've ever had a conversation. I definitely have never had a conversation with a mixed person or something like that. And it was just like a pause for a few minutes while we stared at each other on the screen. <laughs> or it's just like, I mean, luckily at this point, I've had this conversation. I've been able to have these conversations with multiple mixed people, but that first time, like, I remember what it felt like for me, too. So Jules was my first. Jules's episode, um, the Raised by Rap episode. And he was actually the very first person I spoke to all together. And um, we were supposed to speak for half an hour, end up being like two and a half hours. And by the end of it, like, I was a puddle. And like you, Tiffany, Laura, like the experience, I, I feel like we had the first conversation. It was just like, I didn't know until I did it that I hadn't had a conversation like that before, you know, like that I hadn't really talked to someone I wasn't related to or that I didn't grow up around. And so like, you know, my, my, my co-host on Blurred Comics, we grew up together. I believe his mom um, watched us and stuff. So like we didn't, we could talk about being mixed, but we were also kind of like family. We grew up together. So it was, you know, I knew his experience. He knew my experience, but to speak to any of you, for the first time. It is like, you have to tell me everything so that I have your context. And then on top of it, we're also going like, wow, you know, like we didn't, we've never been able to just be free and not feel like we have monoracial eyes staring at us, you know, to like uh, manage the conversation for us. We get to do it for ourselves. And I think that that's been a huge part of, of what makes this show meaningful for me. I, I hope also for everybody else that participates. So, like, for me, um, so I'm the youngest of the regulars, as we all know. <laughs> and for, like, when I was starting to listen to this show and, like, my biggest real moment that led me to start listening was after delivering 
a baby in the hospital and her mom was half black, half Filipino. I was like, yo, we exist. What wow. is this? I was like, no, she went up to me and was like, asked like, so if you don't mind, what's your ethnicity? I said, half, half black, half Filipino. I was, and she was like, same as me. I'm like, yo. Um, <laughs> so it was amazing. a very awkward time to have that first beginning of a mixed conversation while this person was literally giving birth <laughs> because like, that's a whole like dynamic, right? Um, this is but, bad people need con- community that you can be giving birth and be like, bro, <laughs> was, what you and, like the, and the husband was like asleep and it was just me and her and she was awake and it was like, and then I had to help deliver her baby like an hour later and it was, it was a time, That's but, <laughs> but <laughs> the bring back more to a point of like why this community is really important for me is the fact like it helps me understand like not everyone has it figured out even though like how old you are um me starting my club at uva just like being there for the mixed people it's been so healthy as for having people who aren't necessarily in the same age group as me nor like coming from a more directly similar place being an in-state institution um but bringing it back to the head of the fact that, like, one, like, Blasians exists out there. I'm not the only one. I'm like, yo, I see y'all. Charmaine, Penelope, you know. <laughs> but besides that, it's about having that, like, common experience, but, but not being the same. I think right. that was the biggest part that drove me together and also how I inspire my club. Like, we all may not be the same mixture, but there's still so many attitudes of our experience that is unique into itself. And, like, being a mixed identity is more than just a monoracial identity. Of course, we have monoracial sides, the fact that, like, how you identify or who you grew mm-hmm. up, whatever. But there's something about being in between that is unique to itself. And we're more than just a box. And that's how I love to see this place, because we're more than just a box. Right. Yeah, I love that part. Actually, and and Jeff and Laura would have a similar deal with, like, me and my brother. We don't, I, I, well, maybe, I don't know. We grew up in the same house, but our identity and our access point to our mixedness is different. Um, so, like, you can live, you could literally grow up with somebody and not, identify the same so this this dynamic should have taught like having a sibling should have taught me that we're not a monolith i still needed to have like 15 other conversations until i got there though you know with people i wasn't related to yeah jeff and i talked we were just talking about this um the other night in a couple of the episodes you have mentioned or your guests have mentioned this idea of like imposter syndrome when they're in a monoracial group and they're the other and and he and I were discussing this and I had said that you know I feel because of just my experiences I feel like less of an interloper in all white spaces than I do in all black spaces oh. even though I'm half and half and I assumed that my brother felt the same way. I was blown away when he was like <laughs> he, he said really <laughs> Wow. No girl. <laughs> no girl. I'm like, I'm in an all white space. And I'm like, how do I get out of here? Where's the exit? Because... <laughs> so when she told me that it was interesting, because it's like what you're saying, Charmaine, is absolutely true. Took the words out of my mouth, you know, just even being in the same house, our experiences are so different, you know, because I think as mixed folks, we realize that you're the only one walking around in your skin. Mm -hmm. You know, now our skin may look similar, right? 
But even if it does, I'm the only one walking around in my skin. So I'm the only one that can really speak to what that is really like. And, and you know, whether, whether it's easy in, in certain cir- circumstances or harder in other circumstances, you know, it's like, it's a very unique thing. And, and I agree with Jay, you know, it's like part of the pride of being mixed. And I know you ask at the end of your, your podcast um, is for me, the fact that it's a reminder of my uniqueness, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that I define what that really means and the definition doesn't come from like what I want it to be, but not, but more so the experiences that I know I'm living being mixed, you know? And so, yeah, it's different just being siblings. And, and I know, uh, I think, you know, Sherman, we actually have a half brother who's uh monoracial black <laughs> so yeah so i mean then he's got but he, three mixed he's kids. got three mixed kids and he's been acute he's been um assumed over the phone to be white so you can <laughs> so there's a lot going on there and yeah so we just have a, a very interesting everybody has their own lens um but it's nice that in, in a space like this you can see the value of the shared experience as well as the unique one too just some final thoughts before we get out of here on this second anniversary episode thank you again to everybody that participated in the social distancing hangout today and allowed me to share the audio clip on the episode i really feel like i did actually get to celebrate the second anniversary after rona hit it kind of canceled and derailed the plans to do a recording a live recording in front of an audience here in los angeles so this was this was awesome to be able to have an opportunity to still share with other people, not just myself, the experience of this show. And I'll never forget that y'all gave that to me. So thank you so much. And thank you to the rest of y'all who listen every week or who have recently joined and are starting to listen and sharing the stories and listening to the other mixed race narratives. All of us have a story to tell. All of us are interesting, no matter how uninteresting we think we are. And all of our stories will connect to someone. There is somebody somewhere feeling very much in isolation and they're going to hear your story that you share on Militantly Mixed and they're going to connect with it and they're going to feel seen. They're going to feel heard and they might even be inclined to share their own story. This is how Militantly Mixed exists. This is how we survive is in telling your story, someone else might be willing to tell their story. So thank you so much for your participation up till this point. I will forever be grateful for this experience of being able to produce this show every week. And even though I am going on hiatus for the next three weeks, because I do need a little bit of a break, when we come back in August, we'll be coming back strong and looking to share more mixed race narratives, looking for more opportunities for mixed race advocacy, and just walking around being our mixed ass selves. Thank you, everybody. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. 
You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.